The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, still in San Antonio for the American Sheep Industries Annual Convention. And Arlen Suderman joins us with F.C. Stone, who I find out is in my neck of the woods, doing a variety of different talks around the state of Nebraska. And Arlen, I made the comment to you before we started the final bell that I don't like that we're having to deal with a lot of red on the screen. Your response was, you know, well, just turn the monitor off. And, and I think a lot of producers feel that way and that's kind of why I brought it up because we've had some negative days but there is some bright sides to this negative because even though it was red we saw some maybe growth shall we say especially when we look yep. at this at this corn market yeah yeah very much so we did come off of our lows and and yeah that was some advice given to me by a mentor at one point in my career uh sometimes when the market's just going against you uh uh, turning the turning the monitor off and taking some of the emotions out of it. Uh, as long as you've got a plan in place and you feel good with that plan, um, sometimes don't get caught up in the emotions of the individual day. But as we looked at the sell-off today, uh, let's put it in perspective of the sharp gains we'd had in the days prior. Uh, and then yesterday we started to sell off and we saw some follow-through selling today. We came well off of our lows um, some of that was because the midday GFS model out, uh, runs that came out midday um, showed uh, pulled back on some of the relief rains expected in Argentina, and so that provided a little bit of support. And we still had the double-digit losses in 17s They've, in, in soybeans. They still felt a lot of pain, but compared to where we were back in mid-January, we're still well above those levels. Keep in mind that we traded that March contract all the way down below 945 at that point. So we're still 40 cents above that. We, uh, we're hearing good yields out of South America. When we look at the, uh, the plant, uh, excuse me, harvest progress there in, in, uh, Brazil, we're seeing it overall about 5% of the crop has been harvested to this point, about 17% of Mato Grosso has been harvested and that's the key number right there is to watch Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso de Sol where 2% of the crops harvested because that's where they need to get the Safrina corn planted which is 70% of their corn production that's their exportable supplies they need to get that planted over the next four weeks so that it can reach pollination before the dry season hits when the rain shut off and so that's the clock that they're up against and the forecast remains wet whether it's wet enough to create problems or not to, to keep them from getting the crop planted, it'll be a close call. We can't say for certain at this point, but it is close enough that the funds, I think, are going to be paying attention to that and be reluctant to build too many short positions. On the Argentine side, well, while we're in Brazil, I should say that our team in uh, in Brazil raised their production estimate to 111.1 million metric tons, raising their yield estimate slightly. Um, and that compares to USDA at 110 million metric tons. So it's a, about a 1% increase for uh, for this month's crop report that they're anticipating. Um, now when we go to Argentina, I think it was the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange lowered their soybean production estimate to 51 million metric tons for Argentina, 
That's 5 million metric tons below where the USDA is currently at. So we'll see where the rest of the private estimates are. So that's been part of the key. Good yields in Brazil, will they offset the losses in Argentina? And overall, we're running into enough stress in that crop right now. It looks like the losses may exceed may exceed the, the gains in Brazil. That being said, we're still really struggling with exports here in the United States as Brazil's been taking business away from us. And right now, we it's looking more and more likely that we could see USDA raise their ending stocks estimate here in the United States over $500 million for soybeans. You know, you talk about what's been happening with the harvest that's underway in Brazil. And I know that yesterday I was reading some reports that there was some weather concerns um, fields being too wet to harvest, soybeans having some issues um, as well because of the rains and trying to get this crop out of the ground. Today, is that kind of null? I haven't re- seen a lot of discussion about delays. Yeah, it's it's still a factor. It's still a concern, but it really hasn't magnified it yet. And part of it's because it's still very early in the harvest progress. Everyone's saying, well, we wish we could be out there, but there's still some time. Um, and the other thing is it's still too early to see any quality issues or yield loss issues with these rains. They were primarily in uh, Paraguay and uh, Paraná where we were seeing the persistent rains. Those moved to the north and east into Meta Grossa, Meta Grossa de Sol. Um, and uh, some of the models try to shift that rain back. If it keeps shifting back and forth, that actually allows some drying out time in between. If it stays persistent in Meta Grossa, Meta Grossa de Sol, then that creates more problems for harvesting the soybeans, maintaining the quality, maintaining yields, and then getting the safrina corn planted yet. So it's early enough. We don't have a good handle on it. Over the next 10 days to two weeks, uh, we should have a much better feel for whether this is going to be a legitimate concern or not. And rain was talked about yesterday, and just dry weather as well. I mean, in excuse me, rain was talked about in Argentina now it looks like some dryness because they've backed off those weather forecasts in the last 24 hours. Yeah, and you get some volatility. And basically, the rains had been showing up in the 11 to 15 day period. They were starting to move forward into the 6 to 10 day forecast. So they're still out there quite a bit. And it's still hot with 90s and a few hundreds. Um, over those dry areas are stressing crops over almost half of the, the crop belt overall. So the question is, will those rains come forward or not? The forecasts are going to vary from one run to the next. We see that here in the States as well. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle final bell coming up. And I know in reading the perspectives that come from Arlen midday, we'll talk about what's happening weather-wise on the plains with this wheat crop as well as we'll take a look at the livestock. It is the Fontenelle final bell with Arlen Suderman joining us today on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back here to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman's joining us from FC Stone. We talked a lot about weather in the first half because it seems to be market-dominated conversation. And especially when we go to the south, I talked about it, Arlen, a little bit yesterday as I flew down here um, earlier in the week. You could see from the air, how dry it is as, as we look at areas of Texas. And I know I've heard reports that it's extremely dry in Oklahoma as well. And you talked about it today in your um, perspective email that you set out. It's been dry in the plains. Uh, hard red winter wheat belt. Is there some reason for some nervousness maybe? Yeah, well, we've had moisture really from the northern tier counties in Kansas north 
uh, uh, this winter, but uh, you go south of there and it's almost been nil. In fact, you look at the last uh, the last three months, the last 90 days or so, and uh, precipitation in the hard red winter wheat, wheat belt as a whole, uh, nearly 50%, nearly half of the belt has received less than 25% of the normal precipitation. And the dryness started even before there. So it's pretty dry. Commodity Weather Group, who we work with, went back. And their forecast has been calling for that area to stay dry right on through the through the heading period for the wheat, which would be expected to create some significant yield losses. And we haven't even talked about the potential winter kill that may have happened a couple of times this winter when we got cold enough to do some damage. We'll have to see when the crop breaks dormancy on that. But uh, Commodity Weather Group went back, and their forecast is calling for it to stay dry. So they wanted to test their forecast versus other years. So they looked at others. They found 10 other similar dry winter years to compare it with going back to 1950. And uh, seven of those 10 had uh, weak to moderate La Ninas that were that weakened into the spring like this year's is expected to do. And there was a strong tendency in those years for the, those areas of the plains to stay dry right on into deep into the spring. Um, the other thing I've heard a lot about from producers is, well, this, this dryness looks an awful like 2012 when the dryness then expanded into the, into the Midwest and created a significant problems with crop production. Well, if you look at these seven years that the Commodity Weather Group was focused on that were similar in nature, uh, they found that there was also a strong tendency for those for the Midwest and the Delta, which is currently dry, to receive rain to to get the rains they needed in the spring. So that's that's good for corn and soybeans, but definitely not good for winter wheat. And and I think suggests that uh, winter wheat in Kansas South, in particular, may be at significant risk this year. Well. We jump over to look at what's happening on the livestock side. The water cooler talk here at the sheep industry meeting obviously has been the weather in the south, but it also today turned to what the heck happened in the cattle. That is an exact quote from a rancher I was talking to who has both sheep and cattle, Arlen. He said to ask you what caused them to be on fire and finish and compete the way they did today. Well, and I think that's put a little bit of perspective. Why were we down so much yesterday? And, and when you look at where the cash tr- has traded this week to this point, I, d- I don't think it justified the losses yesterday. I think that's more of the mystery. I think today's action puts us back. We had to take away the losses from yesterday and put us back to where we should be based on where the cash is trading. So I think it's fairly representative. The other thing is, is the dollar's been breaking hard over the last few weeks. We have seen a significant increase in beef exports as well as pork exports as well. Down a little bit this week from last week, but last week's was huge. Even this week's numbers are large that USDA reported in this morning's USDA weekly sales report. So the weaker dollar is really helping those export sales for beef and for pork, and I think that was also a factor in bringing the fund money back into this meat complex. Any other factors that we need to be watching out for for this cattle when we go down one day like we did, pop back up the next? Can we hope that we finish out the week on a positive with some decent cash movement? Well, certainly do. We're still waiting for some more cash movement to happen this week. And obviously you want to finish with some good momentum rather than see prices soften as you go toward the end of the week. 
Uh, certainly keep an eye on that. Keeping an eye on the cold that we're seeing, it might be impacting gains. Uh, doesn't look like any significant snows now that we've got past some of the big snows that moved through Nebraska here the previous week. Um, so watching that and watching that currency market because that does seem to have a big impact on our demand. For the hogs, what are your thoughts? That's in a market that's had some pretty steady cash movement. Uh, we've we've kind of slowed down the upward climb, but we're holding at some pretty strong levels, and uh, that's been justifying bringing some more, particularly with the increase in export demand, bringing some more business in and supporting some more gains into board fund money bring attracted back in. All right, sounds good. You're listening, of course, to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Arlen, best way for folks to follow you through social media because you put great posts and great comments throughout the trading day. Yeah, twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Joining us again, Arlen Suderman with FC Stone. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.